Tipmanner. Hello, welcome to Tipmanner Podcast. It is the first pod of 2022. Happy New Year to all the OUFC faithful. I hope you all had a good Christmas. Uh, it's myself, James. We've got John, Ben and Jack as well. What a classic lineup. Actually, that's probably offensive to Connor, isn't it? <laughs> Connor, you're also part of classic lineups and Tony and all the guys, all the team. Um, right. Any OUFC themed presents, John? Go. Sadly not this year. After many years of sneaking yellow and blue things, Oxford branded or not into my house this year was a bit of a fallow one. So Any, no. Anything? I pitch you as kind of like a sock guy. Uh, no, it was really slim pickings this year. Really poor. Oh. Um, new Bond film, that was about as good as it got, really. Okay, that's very Partridge. Yeah. Got the new Bond. Yeah. Very good. Uh, ben? Not for Christmas, but my birthday the week before, I did get a print of uh, 16 of our classic shirts. I've seen that. Starting... Is that what Jack's got behind him, or is that a different one? I think it's slightly different. I'm not great sure. it could be the material. same one. Yeah, great, yeah. great part. <laughs> this is classic radio. I, I can confirm there are some kits behind me. Uh, it starts starts with Headington. There's a couple orange ones, and then it it mainly focuses on the 80s and 90s, and then it concludes with the Animalities classic. <laughs> <laughs> black, black and round. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Jack. Surely, come on, just make no. it up if you didn't. Mouse Matt. Well, I can say I, I did ask for a couple of prints, but I didn't get them. So the attempt was there. I just got like gin-related things instead. Okay, fine. I I went back every time I go back to my mum's. Like she's got just all the stuff that used to be there when we were kids. And there's like this um, chest of drawers that you can open up. It's got all the old kind of bed sheets in there from when you were kids. There's like a Toy Story one in whatever. But I used to have a single OUFC duvet set that I remember buying from the club shop, you know, near the Shell garage, you know, just near the manor. I remember picking up and I was convinced it'd be in there and I was going to, I was just going to whack it on my bed. Although I don't have a single bed anymore. But you know, anyway, let us know, listeners, what OUFC themed presents you got in the uh, comments of all of our great social media posts. Thanks very much. Um, right. <laughs> Any news? Uh, what did what did the Oxford players get? I was I sent the guy, just for the listeners, I tried to get the guys to do some research on what presents Oxford players got for Christmas. And I don't think we've got anything. So then do we just speculate on what we think they would have got? Yeah? Uh, Jack, what do you reckon um, Brannigan got? Well, oh, well, actually, judging by his social media, tickets to the darts final. Yes. Oh yeah. Well done, Cam. Didn't he have? Didn't he have some like signs saying Matty Taylor hates the gas or something? He did. And, yeah. Like, sorry, Gaffer, on it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, ben, what do you reckon? Messino got a bit more suave, a bit, a bit tidier. I think he got a nice three-piece suit. A suit, mm. okay. To go, is he still doing his job with the FA? PFA, so, yeah. I think PFA he might have gone down sort of like leadership book type of thing, yeah, like a management good to great or one of those type of things. I think so. That's a good shout. What do you reckon Eastwood got, um, John? I think he'll have got something family focused, not a trip to see Santa like a uh, Joe Scars, <laughs> but um, <laughs> something of that ilk, like a. A guest pass to... Um... What do we know? Maybe new chairs. I remember we, yeah, there we talked chairs. about Mrs. Selling Chairs on eBay at one point. It's a bit weird, this. Family set of chairs. <laughs> okay, right. Mark Sykes probably got um, some car mats for his new car. True. I was going to lead into Brannigan got a fish or something, but it too, <laughs> felt too simple. I imagine Mark Sykes is the type who has like a fluffy like cushion round his steering wheel like <laughs> what like a pair of dice hanging from the yeah, yeah mirror like a, yeah and i'll have like a really crap car but it'll like you know do that sort of pimp it out type stuff a fiat panda yeah um let us know in the comments of the pod what you think the oxford players got for christmas <laughs> this is not a new year thing this is, yeah this is it. <laughs> everything we say we're gonna ask for feedback and comments um Right, new. What are we doing? What are we doing today? We haven't done an agenda. Uh, probably some transfer chat. Where the matches that have 
been and gone have been Wigan at home, Wimbledon at home and Cheltenham at home. Obviously, Pompey was postponed in between those. Uh, we'll look at what's going on around League One and then we'll talk about Lincoln on Saturday, which I think me and Ben are going to. Maybe Jack, not John. How are you feeling about it, Jack? Positive or negative? Um, it's still up in the air, depending on whether a friend tests positive or not and then drinks in Leeds get abandoned for football in Lincoln. <sighs> Well, that, yeah, tis the world we now live in. Um, right, Herbie Kane. John, how are you feeling about him signing that extension and the board seemingly paying a bit of dollar to remove that clause in the loan deal? Barnsley fans seemed pretty pissed. Yeah, they weren't happy at all. I mean, it's it's brilliant news because he is one of those players, if you take him out of the team all of a sudden, we kind of, the comp where confidence of the whole thing kind of could easily go missing because he's clearly integral. Um, I do find it slightly interesting that we paid to take a clause out. which I, don't I didn't think... know that was a thing, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing either. And I mean, if you if you read some of the Barnsley manager's comments, he was talking about how they've got a really young squad and he wants experienced players in. So there wasn't a lot of kind of indication they might be looking to recall him. So if they just kind of played a bit of a blinder and we've gone, oh... I mean, I'm not. I'm not talking down what the club's done. It's brilliant that we've just, you know, just taken it off, taken it off the table. Yeah. But it, yeah, I did think that was a bit random, but the fact we've got him locked in is is fantastic, really, because he's clearly like first name on the team sheet now. What Ben? What do you think it means for like going into next year? Do you think we should worry about by the end of January is Brannigan still with us, or do you do you think there's absolutely an aspiration to have them both together for the rest of the season? I think if it was up to up to KR and up to everybody, they'd both still be there. It's whether or not it gets taken out of our hands, his hands, by somebody offering silly money that we can't say no to. We know that's the model. That's how it's got to be. Yeah, it's positive that you know there's definitely intent there with buying that clause out. I did, as, as you've just said, think it was a bit odd we didn't try and buy him. It's obviously a positive, but it's kind of a middle. We haven't built him. He hasn't gone back. So it's kind of status quo. Nothing's yeah. changed. Because then at the end of the season, what's his, what's his contract like at Barnsley? Has he got a year left on it or something? I don't think it ends. It, well, it definitely doesn't end um, this summer. So at least another year, maybe a couple on top of that. Because it was like, what? I think it was a four-year deal from Liverpool, right? Yeah, but his thing is, he's not proven himself at championship level. Really, so he's almost in a bit of a an odd place of he's almost in like a lot of players and probably quite a few in our squad too good for League One but hasn't cut it yet in the Championship. Barnsley might go down. Who knows? It's um, I think we'll obviously be sniffing around, but it's unclear what his status is in their eyes. But they they're probably in the position of power because yeah, as you say, there's at least two years on that contract. Yeah, and, 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 and they paid a lot of money for him as well. So. And they've definitely got control because now if he'll come back in, in in the summer and he can either stay there if they're in League One or go to a, a Sunderland or whoever goes up or someone in, in Championship like that. Whereas yeah. obviously if we sign him, that's it. We've got we've got a bit, a bit more certainty. Whereas the summer we'll have the same comments of, right, what's happening with Kane? Who's going to replace him? We're back to square one, which is yeah. frustrating, but we're used to it now. It happens every year. I, th- I think the more reflective Barnsley fans in one of their forums, or a few of them, were kind of saying, "If you, what did they spend on him? One point two million or something like that." Yeah. So, if they want to recoup that money, is it better putting pulling him in and out of a probably going to get relegated Championship side where he's not going to be able to show what he can do, or holds some of his value in a promotion chasing League One team where he's playing every week and you know, longer term, thinking about sustainability, et cetera, et cetera, and recouping some of that money. I think that kind of makes sense. Um, Jack, what do you reckon? Do you think his consistency has been, been there or thereabouts? Are you, are you confident that he's going to be the real deal in that midfield? Yeah, I think his, his consistency has probably been better than KR could have expected it to have been by this stage. So, taking the pessimist view you almost wonder if, if he'll have a dip at some point because if he does continue to be this consistent until may then there's no chance we're signing him 
Um, yeah. But I think for the for the team's consistency and that midfield unit, him being in the kind of the deeper role that Gorin plays, but not playing the Gorin role, um, it keeps that consistency at the end of the season rather than us having to think of a third option to play in that if he'd gone back. Um, we know Gorin's not going to play again this season, so that that is Kane's role now to sit sit in and ping the passes about. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, isn't it? I do. What do you, do you boys think we're going to be able to buy him at the end of the season? Do you reckon there could already be something in the deal that we've struck to remove the clause to take him on if certain things happen, or do you think there's just no point in speculating? Oh, there's point in speculating. That's what we do. I think we should. Yeah, let's just <laughs> yeah. speculate. I'm a I'm ninety eight percent certain there's a clause there. If the, we the, hit the post six times <laughs> with his with his left foot, yeah. we'll get it. I think the, there might be a clause, but I suspect it's probably going to be again in Barnsley's favour and be quite high. And it'll be a if we sign him, we won't be able to sign several other players. Kind of money. It is interesting if they did get relegated. He's exactly what they'll need next season. <laughs> So that's that's the interesting. Yeah, I mean they factor. they do hold all the cards, don't they? Two years left. They paid over a million for him. They're likely to be in this league next season. Yeah, I mean I they've can't... won they've won like two of twenty five or something league. Yeah, games. they're they're only three points ahead of Derby, who of course had twenty one deducted. So that's not <laughs> they're not right. very good. This this January window is is a weird one because we've half got to think about what do we need to get to get up, but then. Do we fork out for players that might not be quite what we need in the championship? So we'd all want Kane, but there's there's just so many different things going on, and in terms of what who goes in and goes out, and if players are available now, we need to go out and get them. We can't just sort of wait until the summer and sit back. We know that deals get done twelve months in advance for some of the certain players. So yeah, it's a lot going on. And Kr did allude to it, didn't he, in one of his interviews? Just on, I think it was on the back of. Um, wasn't at the game but he was saying how you know he's historically came out really early and said what the plan is for the club going into the transfer window and what the targets are and how many what positions we want to fill etc etc but obviously with COVID KR was saying people are really nervous about losing bodies um, because of potential postponements or just ending up in obviously situations that we're all very aware of that can materialize very very quickly where you're fielding completely you know unrecognizable teams so it's interesting as to what that means for your winnells your Aggies, your coopers your hansons um i think we've talked about it before they're they're the four names aren't they that you kind of all you kind of expect to be moving on if there's an opportunity but you've obviously got to get the bodies in the door first um what do you do? You guys think there's any change in those four? Do you think they're still the the ones? Do you, ben, do you see Aji sticking around? Hansen had a few games here and there. Yeah, it's a weird one because, like I said, the squad suddenly becomes more important than ever. It's not. It's not. I would rotate on certain games in the the trophy. It's players are out. They're going to be out for probably three games, depending when they get COVID or that kind of thing. Adji's a weird one because there's obviously something that KR just doesn't like about the way he plays. But he's had a terrible seat. Like, as far as things go, he actually had a really good kind of second half to last season, didn't he? Yeah. And he's just not taken one opportunity so far. This, no, and he has to because around. otherwise, you know, Taylor's going to start every game if he's fit and he can. So I think, I think we might try and replace. If we can, if there's somebody comes up, for, say, a loan from a Premier League club or something that would be a, a youngster squad player, I think we would get rid of someone like Aji. And uh, Ben, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still there. Did I go? Okay, good. You went briefly. I thought you were just really thinking. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Go back to that thoughtful you said, stage. You said loan from a Premier League club, and then you just paused. Yeah, if we if we can find a youngster from a, a Premier League club, then that would be better squad cover, I think, than someone like Aji. That doesn't sound sound like what KR what was thinking we're going to do in the Winnell. I, I always think the thing with Winnell was really interesting. I think when we were talking about names like, what was it, James Norwood was floating around a little bit amongst a few other names. And it's like, 
if Sam Winnell didn't sign for us, you would think Sam Winnell was a good <laughs> candidate to be brought in to the club because he's got that experience. He's played well against us in the past. He's shown he can do it at League One. Um, he maybe doesn't need to be, you know, the first name on the team sheet and he can rotate somewhat with Taylor, which he did, I guess, last year. But we're looking for an upgrade, Jack, aren't we? Like, it just hasn't quite worked out. Maybe injuries have played a big part in it. But if we really want to push on, Taylor can't be expected to play 90 minutes every game. No, you you need a proper second striker to be available um, by proper one that is readily fit for, you know, 75, 80% of the season, not 20 games a season. Um, I think, I think Adri goes in this window, even if it's on loan. Um, I think winner, I think Winnell stays until we sign someone and even then might stay as the third option. Um, I think there's been a little bit of noise about James Norwood again, but it probably relies on Ipswich signing a replacement because I doubt they just let him out without um, getting another body. His his record for Ipswich is actually pretty good as well. I just assumed he would he never got got going. He but... started really slowly and then he's kind of come back into it. But he's he's a definite. I think that he would be he'd be a good fit because I think he'd come in knowing exactly what the deal was. He's not. He's not like a big player. We'd splashed out on that with then demand games. He'd just be coming in, going. I know what I'm here for. That sort of players who we're after. But coming back to the point around slowness and people reluctance to get rid of players, it is that sort of third or fourth striker that we're looking for from someone else. And are they likely to be released as much like a Norwood? And um, because of the situation with squads, because actually more likely to play in their teams that they've been slightly bombed out. Yeah. On. What's your priority, John? If you had to pick a position to fill, is it the strike or is it is it something else? It's really difficult between them. Um, I think it probably is the striker because if you think about it, if Matt Taylor gets a groin injury for four to six weeks, then it's Windle or Adji. That dynamic changes everything. Or it's actually White down the middle, more than one of those two. Um, yeah. It's kind of the same thing with Seddon. If he gets an injury... We'll muddle through, but if he's out for a couple of months, then we've got a serious problem. So those, I think the priorities are don't change, and we've talked about them quite a few times, really. Yeah, any build uh, on that? I, I think the sudden injury would be more disruptive in the sense that you probably throw your first choice right back, get shoved to left back, and it yeah. causes more disruption in that you've got a backup right back being asked to play first choice for a number of months. Um. We saw that last season, didn't we, in comment? I remember Tony was on the pod talking about that at one point, getting quite upset. Yeah, I, I think ideally you want that left-back cover to allow you not to muck about with the other three defenders. Um, yeah. But equally, a, a side without a Matt Taylor available for a number of weeks or months is quite concerning as well. So that I'd almost put them side by side in terms of priority. Yeah, yeah. No, and Seddon's... I think Seddon's role in the team, his partnerships he's established down that left side is really quite a, a bigger presence beyond just what he brings in terms of on the ball. Yeah. Um, so now they, they are the same. A nice a defensive midfielder would be, I think, a bonus. But, I mean, I kind of think, well, Hanson won't go anywhere. I just, just am looking back to your list. I don't, think, I don't think he's that attractive to anyone, really. And no one's going to pay for him because he's technically out of contract he's someone will sign free in the summer I think um Jerome made a good point about the left back to say kind of what Ben was saying if you can get in a young hungry well I suppose Ben you're referring to a loan but if you can find similar to the kind of McNally Dickey Atkinson model a left back in that mold to come in and actually push Seddon for the remainder of the season uh, maybe a bit more defensively minded and then next year they're really pushing in pre-season to challenge for the spot you kind of want someone at that level that's really ripping it up probably in non-league um with the striker I absolutely agree when you when you put it like that John if you just imagine having like eight weeks without Matt Taylor and then seeing what putting Adji and Winnell in that bracket I think it's it would kind of probably kill our hopes um I do think, though, one guy called up, wasn't at the game, and made a good point about an alternative could be getting a winger, you know, Marcus Brown type person in, or Marcus Brown himself, 
who can another player that can play through the middle that knows the kind of culture and the setup of the club. I don't know, Ben, what you think about that. I think Brown seems to kind of be really exciting proposition for some people and not not so much for others. Yeah, well, he's uh, he's hit and miss, isn't he? Both with fans and his performances when he's been here. I I think a young winger that can really push both Um, of them on is, is crucial. I'm dead against Mark Marcus Brown. I just don't. I just think we need to let things things go. Really, I don't really remember him playing through the middle that much. Anyway, White is he any different to White? Doing wasn't that? he? Didn't he do really well last time? Like as we wrapped up the season when he was with us, like he scored against Pompey. He, he, in the he did, he did but like he's, he's also coming back from an ACL, I think, as well. So it's kind yeah. of like it's not sort of like he's you know primed and ready. And does he add much more than what we've already got? I'm yeah, just he, not. This is what I was going to say. If it wasn't Marcus Brown, we wouldn't be talking about signing a player who hasn't played for a year. Like yeah. that. Like if we, if we were linked with Joe Bloggs from Reading on loan who hadn't played for a year, everyone would be going, "Why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? That's ridiculous." It'll take three weeks to get fit. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. And it, equally, the other thing to consider here is you're only allowed five loan players in a matchday squad. We've already got four. So there's a little bit of wheeling, dealing in terms of are we going to sign players on loans and then someone misses out? Are we going to try and spend cash? Are we going to take over someone's contract at the end of the season? There's all that factor to consider as well. Yeah. Jack, what do you reckon about the contract situation with Sykes? People were saying his, co- his comments on Radio Oxford were controversial, like a bit hit and miss, but I didn't. I thought they were fine. He just said, it's between me and the club and we'll try and sort it out. I like being here. I passed my driving test, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> yeah, my my only concern was he did the whole "I've got to think about my family," which I always translate as "I know I've got interest from elsewhere. I'm going to see who offers me the most money." He he didn't scream, "I want to sign a contract tomorrow. Give me a pen," because I think if he wanted to do that, it would have been done by now. Because we're now into January, where he can talk to other clubs. I'd be really disappointed if we didn't put an offer in front of him that was competitive with even a lower end championship club at this point in time. How old is he? Twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah. I'm. I'm sure we will do that. But like Jack says, he was saying all the kind of things that you imagine agents feed into players just to sort of create some ambiguity around the situation. And Kr did not like the question about Sykes. He really liked. You could tell in his voice he did not like being asked about it. Um, and he made an interesting comment. He said he, he's now training well, and he alluded. So he's kind of basically said to him, like, we've now sorted him out. And I think this could be one of those situations where we basically polished him up, and then he scored a lot of goals. He'll now be noticed. Other managers will go, look, if you look at Oxford highlights, if you look at the last three games, Sykes is in all of them all the time. But half the time it's missing big ch- or shooting over, or it's missing big chances. Or it's doing something amazing, but I think he's a, he's at a good age. He scored goals. I think there's managers in like your teams like Ipswich or Sunderland that go up or lower championships that will say, actually, I think there's something there with this kid, and we'll end up losing out and done all the donkey work with him. You were Jack. You were reminding us that Ipswich had an approach, didn't they? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before we triggered the option, I mean, yeah. I, if he doesn't sign the contract in January, I would think he's gone because he knows what he's getting somewhere else. Would be yeah. my would be my take on it. Um That'd be a shame. He's an exciting player to have around. Um, I mean like the the rational head would be like like you'd hope he does what Brannigan's done within reason, which is looked at it and gone, it's probably better to rip it up in League One rather than go to a championship club of which there's only three or four or five that probably would take a midfielder that's not quite proven, yada, yada, yada. But I just don't think Sykes is going to be that one, to be honest. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And You'd hope the club kind of factored a Brannigan-esque style contract to Sykes, i.e. have two more years, but we'll put a clause in, and if someone meets it, you can go at whatever, whatever point that is. Um, but also, yeah, and Also, it, Sykes got much, you know, I don't know... I reckon it was a bit of both, but KR did like destroy him quite a few times and that might linger a bit. So we don't know what's really gone behind the scenes. 
but you turn around Sykes and say, well, you've only just put put it together, so don't get too big for your boots. But who knows? Yeah. What about um, Elliot Moore, Ben? I I really like Elliot Moore. Some people don't seem to like him, and I'm not sure why. I think he's perfect for League One as a centre defender, what we need. Do you know what it is for me? Is And I used to have it with Dunkley's, when he's got the ball at his feet, it, I have to. I feel like I need to look away. <laughs> he actually does retain possession, is relatively tidy for a big guy, but that's the only thing. I know really he's a, he's a great player, but it's just that that makes me really nervous. Yeah, I know what you mean with that. The heart does sometimes skip a beat if he's uh, you know, casually flicking behind him as a defender is running towards him and then he's clean through if he mucks it up. But I'm just thinking of uh, one of the games we were at, he just won every single header all game, absolutely bossed the defence. Uh, and I think similar to Sykes, we should be doing everything to try and make sure that he signs a new contract because I'm 100% in agreement with Jack is if they don't sign in January, they're off. Similar, I was just thinking back to Ruffles last year. Is you know we kept they kept oh yeah we'll talk about a contract talk about a contract we offered him something yeah. I think his mind had already been made up. It is interesting if you did lose more knowing Fornley's only on a loan deal, and Massinho is fifty six. You'll let you you've got McNally like suddenly you've you've got no sense of structure and continuity there have you going into? Well, the, this is the point that I can't remember. It might have been Nathan or Jerome commented on currently for next season we've got one contracted senior centre back which going on to what we were saying about trying to build for next season whatever league we're in isn't ideal in any situation um yeah exactly which might be why the Stuart Findlay kind of noise is there or it could be lazy journalism because we've been linked before there is no noise around Elliot Moore though there's no like yeah, yeah, it's no, definitely no one's asking quiet, questions. It? Like peculiar. I don't know, you know, there's there's something something there that means no one's worrying or everyone's accepted. I I don't think else. he is the same as Dicky or Atkinson in terms of like capability. I think he's a top end League One yeah, centre back that could I, play I as a second centre back in a, ch- a lower end Championship team. So one I think on, he's one at on his one, level. He's a bit. He can be a bit dodgy. Slight tangent to well, not tangent to you mentioned Dicky. I was going to say he's a lot of noise around him, and we've got a sell on with him, so it could be quite a healthy cash injection. Is that is um, that flying around at the moment again? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's he's getting he's getting a lot of media attention, Times I say that sort of stuff, and he you know you could see him at a Newcastle that kind of thing. Yeah, it was I, Newcastle before, wasn't it? In the yeah. summer, I think it was. Um, it was so a- we'll we'll get a healthy fee from that, which. You know, yeah, we go and spend that potential, or it's probably been spent on Kane. Nice. So, um, okay, football stuff. Wigan at home, going back a bit. This was it's an interesting game because this is one of the ones where we were massively kind of hit by COVID. Um, albeit it was actually not so much. I'm just looking at the lineup. We had Ford at right back, McGuain started through the middle, Bowden came in, Williams. Um, played left wing and actually Williams is given I think the last time we did a pod Jack maybe you delivered a rumor around some team somewhere in the oceanic reaches of the world were in- interested um, but hopefully that's not a thing because I thought as a squad player um, and someone that's going to get some game time he seemed really comfortable with his position there as well but he's he's smashed it the last few games, hasn't he? I think he's been a great performer. Yeah, I think um, the Wigan game showed what an all-round player he is. Because whilst he is a he's not an out-and-out flying winger, but he's he's actually quite deceptively quick with ball at feet, and he will take players on and go inside or outside. But equally, he does the kind of the cliche is the dirty work, isn't it? He he, he does put a defensive shift in as well. Um, yeah, probably more so more than our other. Way. Yeah, more more so than our other flying wingers. So, particularly well, we... against Wigan, I thought he was really good. As as to be honest, I thought Bowden did really well, considering he had to play in a central midfield role and against Power and whoever else they had in their midfield. And then Bowden's completely dropped out again for the last couple of games and not got on the perch. I think that game 
in summary was just it was I haven't had that feeling you know when your heart just completely drops and you feel really hard done by um we we're obviously two nil down conceded from a corner which we obviously did against Cheltenham again um, two nil down um and then obviously pulling it back when we got to two two we had a chance as well to go three two up um was it was that when who was it that kind of missed was Sykes that took right. a touch when he just needed to hit it. But to be so fair, annoying. to be in that position, it was annoying. But to be in that position where we could potentially take the lead, and actually, like, we nearly had twice as many shots. Um, our possession was nearly borderline 60%. Um, we just out, I felt like we outplayed them. And I think, John, you'd called it in preview that, you know, you, a mate of yours had said they kind of go relatively long and kind of try and outmuscle you and are a bit more physical as a team. And you definitely saw that. But we played the better football with um, kind of a third of our team being a bit, you know, blended up. And we still came out, you know, we came out on top in terms of performance, but just fell short. Yeah, I thought it was a real marker as to, I think that game in previous seasons, we wouldn't have played even half as well as that. We would have sort of bought into the occasion or been overpowered even potentially. But I just remember Wigan looking very good at what they do, but I don't remember their midfield at all beyond power scoring that goal. Um, and I think it was Oxblogger summed it up quite well, is that you won't remember that Wigan team, but they'll probably go up. But they're very they're very good at what they do, but you can't. There's nothing, you know, do you remember that great 21-22 Wigan team? No, of course you don't, because they were just brutally functional. But the fact we actually nullified them pretty much and yeah, just poor defensive goals that we gave away. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a good loss. Like to go away from any defeat, be it feeling proud is a, is a strange feeling in a way. But I, I got over it relatively quickly. But when that um, it was McLean, wasn't it? When he scored that, it just yeah, it was like a dagger. Um, so that kind of hit the uh, that kind of unbeaten run that we had going on. Um, Wimbledon at home was next and Ben this was like a fantastic performance all round liquid football as the famous Alan Partridge might say um but it was it was a great game I think I can't remember the last time we played that well for the whole game normally we might have spells but that first half we were fantastic I've, yeah. I've just absolutely dominated the game we were mixing up the passing some of the long balls particularly from Brannigan were just ridiculous that was the most notable thing for me i know tony mentioned it who was at the game as well but we were switching play like endlessly and just making them work and run all over the place and but it was the fact the accuracy of the long passes as well yeah he became Um, he became paul's goals for 90 minutes (laughs) just every ball 50 yards diagonally landed on the player's foot every time it was uh, fantastic and then but we'd also mix it up close passing really Pressing, the pressing was the thing that impressed me the most. For, for nearly the whole game, was we pressed them hard, and their keeper just kept panicking, kicking it out for throw-ins, and they just didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to deal with it, and that's something that we've not always done particularly well. So it's good to see that we have for once. Yeah, and the goals looked. It was like, as I like to refer to it, as kind of those FIFA goals where some annoying kids just tapping past. But Ryan Williams runs down the left wing. Really well-timed run, cuts it back for Sykes and then just a beautiful finish. That was amazing. Um, second goal, Jack, I loved that as well. That kind of white just... Wasn't there some nice intricate kind of play down the right-hand side? White hits the cross in first time and then that's the type of goal you want Taylor scoring and he's got a few of them now. And also missed a few as well, which is probably a good sign. It's, it's a regular thing. Yeah, and it... I think we've touched on this before. For as much as White isn't scoring, he is starting to assist as well and contribute in a in in a way that you'd probably expect a winger to over score um, over scoring goals. Um, but that kind of ball from the right for Taylor to slide onto is almost becoming his kind of staple goal now. He scored three or four this season like that, which is what he does. We've 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 said if you've got a player like Matty Taylor in your team, then it's about getting balls into the box. And we've started to do that this season. Yeah. And yeah, that's five assists for White, I think, already. 
Um, and he's got obviously a load of them in j- just barely a few games. So you're right. If you're not scoring goals, but you're assisting, that's that's ace. Um, but yeah, just an incredible performance. I think um, seeing Gavin White starting to maraud up the pitch with that pace, and I think he'll be starting a few more games um, as we're now in the new year. Um, what was the last goal? Sam Long. Oh, it was the other white cross, wasn't it? Where he hung up back post and then Long came in at the far, far stick. But great. Um, obviously, was it, that... Was it not, wasn't, it forward, wasn't it forward for that? No, it was, it was Gavin White. Yeah, Didn't he get two assists? I think he got the Taylor and then um, did the deep one for Sam Long or Schlong. I think the other, the, one of the other things I've really noticed about the Wimbledon game is it's noticeable how far up our midfielders are, like in, in the team at the moment. Like Brannigan was basically on one of their centre backs most of the time. And there was this moment where Kane like pinged the ball into his feet. He just sort of dipped out and shot and he went just wide. I remember that, yeah. But you were looking at it going like, okay, well, Taylor's on one of their defenders. Sykes is on one of their, because their, they were playing three at the back. I just don't like the previous seasons. We're always moaning about how no one's near Taylor. No one's really getting up to the ball. And noticeably in that game, but a bit, bit in Cheltenham as well. And certainly in Wigan, our players are getting much further forward. And the other thing is the cutbacks as well. I think Williams is a big part of this for the last couple of games. They're actually finding people. Whereas before, again, we're always the moaning aimless about how, crossing. Yeah. yeah. The aimless crossing. And, and that sort of stuff seems to be all coming, coming together really. Um, yeah. For sure, another clean sheet as well for the for the back line. We've had a few of them this season. Um, I always think back to that period at the beginning of last year where we were clawing for twenty five games without a clean sheet. But now we, you know, it's not even something we necessarily talk about. Um, we then move on to Cheltenham at home, just gone, and I think it was clean. You know, everyone was obviously still purring about the Wimbledon game, but everyone kind of saw it coming that that wasn't going to continue. And Jack, they looked like a far more organised unit, didn't they? Yeah, well, Wimbledon um, just didn't really seem to know what their game plan was, whereas Cheltenham made it clear from minute one they knew what they were doing, and it was pretty uh, sorry, a pretty similar setup to the game at um, their place earlier in the season. They were happy to stifle us, I suppose, whilst offering a little bit on the counter that we couldn't have Seddon and Long flying as far forward. And the thing that really struck me about the Cheltenham game is we were much slower moving the ball. And I can only presume or credit Cheltenham that it, it was their ability to be in the spaces that we'd normally move it into. Whereas Wimbledon, we were very doing the kind of quick triangle passes or moving it from side to side quite quickly. Whereas Cheltenham was a lot more kind of lumpy and static. Um, and, you know, you can't play as well as we did against Wimbledon consistently because you would not be in this, you wouldn't be a league one side playing that well consistently. So it, it was one of those things that you saw it come in, but we did manage to find a way to take something from the game, which, you know, in other seasons we wouldn't have done. Yeah. Disappointing to concede from a corner, which is obviously we've conceded from a few now this season, but John, I thought Kane struggled a bit. And it, what I know, obviously, is it seems easy to kind of critique, but in this game, especially, like he was relatively absent, but there was a a neat. We kind of had lost control of the game first half, and then early into the second half, it started to pick up. But I noticed when we weren't really in control of possession, he was still going for the Hollywood passes, and they weren't, they just weren't coming off, and we were losing possession a lot of the time, but. I suppose you always still need people to be probing and giving it a go, but it just wasn't coming off. No, I, I think it stems to the point around they came with a plan and we're particularly targeting him as you need to shut him down and then, yeah, he'll go for some of those passes and one, if one of them comes off and we score, then Cheltenham's plan goes out the window. But um, it sounded like we were losing a lot of the second balls as well and sort of Cheltenham fought pretty hard and kind of disrupted us like that. So that's another issue that um, for me, I was speculating that's when we do need that sort of Gorin sort of defensive destructor type just to come in and sort of win the battle as the sort of cliche yeah. cliche goes. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it's I think we and you made the same point that 
we thought we kind of got over this being able to beat this sort of team. And I think it was a nice little reminder in a way that we're not quite there yet all the time. And there are teams like Fleetwood and Wimbledon tried to play the same system but didn't really have a plan to execute it. Cheltenham did and they just stifled the spaces and we weren't quite on it. And KR, to his credit, you know, talked, put two up front and did try and mix it up a bit. And I think we did all we could have done. Whereas the last Cheltenham performance, we didn't really know what the plan was to try and make it happen. It sounded like at least we had more variation in what we were trying to do and it just didn't quite come off. Yeah. The the other thing to think about as well is the game could have been very different if we got that penalty first half. It wasn't, I'm pretty positive it wasn't a penalty. Um, it was very, it was very harsh. The ref was getting a lot of stick. Um, but Ben, if that had gone in, did you see, have you caught up on it? I don't know if you watched it. But I've caught up on the highlights, yeah. What do you reckon about the pen? It's a shame because we just don't, I never am that confident with penalties anymore whenever we win one. Yeah, you think it should be easy, but it's they're not. They can't be. There's there's so much pressure there on that. But yeah, it, it would have been a different game. I think we could have controlled it a bit more. But again, I think Cheltenham deserve deserve credit for the way they managed the game, and they obviously did their research from the Wimbledon game, like you said, of of how we played, and it, we adapted and and tried to find a way around it. It's possibly a bit too late. Which is going to happen, you know. You can't immediately switch tactics that easily. But I think Jack's point of we got the equaliser when previously we would have lost that game. That's the kind of yeah impact Keep- that keeps that momentum going, doesn't it? That we we don't often get. So I was again, he said, disappointed, frustrated that we're not going to play liquid football every week, every game. But we're still we're still in there. We got that point. It could be a big point at the end of the season. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're a bad side, and I'm sure they're going to do that to other teams in the top six. Jack, I was just looking in at the stats you'd put in the notes that, um, in terms of our possession and our actual number of passes, comparing the Wimbledon game to the Cheltenham game, they're not that dissimilar. So against Wimbledon, we completed 541 passes against Cheltenham, 534. But that just shows how well Cheltenham set up because it means our passing was generally across the back four or not what I'd call effective passing or goal potential passing. Um, which I think, John, to John's point, in previous seasons, we've seen that as a struggle and it was a nice reminder that we do need to change it up a little bit sometimes to find a way against these sides. Yeah, maybe more direct. Yeah, Wimbledon went to like, almost just went to a back six yeah. automatically at times and then we're like okay we're all but we're all in the back six and it was like you do realize there's now a ton of space in front of you and no, none of you you're all stood still yeah like Cheltenham were on the move constantly I, I do think you you could also argue though that we grind to you know with Cheltenham they did seem to tire and I think we said it was it the was it MK Dons with the tail foot we said the same thing when we were watching it because we had that much possession or we were passing it around so often that like, moving in triangles, getting them to kind of eventually kind of push out. You do wear teams down and they do get knackered. So when you've got 65% possession, you are naturally for the last 20, 25 minutes going to have, you know, probably more energy than the team you're playing against. So it could be something in that as well. I think um, our, ball, our ball retention is significantly improved as well. Like, the defence's confidence to play it into midfield, even if it gets dropped back, is is significant as well. And you talk about the partnership. Seddon always seems to now find a pass to Brannigan and then they do have a little one-two and that sort of stuff. Like, Or as you say, all this like, kind of thing builds up time on teams and, and that'll play, in, play into a factor. Yeah. So obviously that then gets our, keeps us kind of unbeaten after the Wimbledon game as well, going into... Saturday at Lincoln. Um, in terms of what's going on around League One, so we at that point um, put us in fifth place. Plymouth have kind of had a bit of a recovery where they've won the last uh, two games after quite a difficult spell for them. We're now on like exactly matching things, like one twelve, drawn seven, lost five, um, just above them on goal difference. Obviously, Rotherham still smashing it. Has anyone got any doubt that Rotherham will go up in the top two? Can anyone see them flopping? I'm more worried about Sunderland doing, threatening to 
actually no. do what you're supposed to do and go up. <laughs> no. I mean, they are looking, they're on a real good run, aren't they? I think the whole thing we've talked about before about the fact that they seem to have actually acquired a team that's a League One team. They've got a very sensible team and they've signed another player the other day and I thought, God, that's such a sensible signing. It's, it's getting just, oh, it's frustrating. It's finally clicked after six or seven glorious years or whatever in League One. Yeah, it's looking tight. Has anything else stood out? Any results or any um, teams stood out for people? MK is still really not far behind Pompey on a really yeah, good unbeaten it's run. it's the whole games played thing starting to uh, throw it a little bit, isn't it? Because obviously we, we look, we're four points clear, MK, but they've got a game in hand. Obviously we're two points behind Wigan, but they've got three games in hand. So it's one of them now we've got two or three big matches coming up I think we just have to keep ourselves in the mix and see what everyone else does it's going to be quite a, a long drawn out battle I think yeah it's it's just going to be interesting as, as we've said before whether it really does split off so you've kind of just got two halves of the league playing for very very different things um, it seems quite early for that to be happening but it, you can see it now um, starting to split Anyway, some big games coming up, starting um, at Lincoln. Has anyone done any... I, I don't remember any previous results away to Lincoln. I've, uh, ha, ha, I've, done, ha, ha. I've done a bit of preview notage. Um, I'm going to do that thing where I basically make it sound like it's going to be a really easy win and then tempt, tempt fate because it's not pretty for Lincoln. So they're currently 21st. Admittedly, they've only played 22 games. They haven't played since Boxing Day. They haven't won in the league since the 26th, 26th of October, which was away at Wigan, to be fair. And they've had some pretty hard games. They're on woeful form. They've lost four of the last five. Um, and the, la- the oh, draw... sounds terrible. Their draw in those... The, so the one game they haven't lost was against Cheltenham, where they scored in the 90-plus-1 minute to go 2-1 up and then lost and then drew 2 all in the 90 plus fifth minute. So I imagine their morale is not high given where they are. Can you imagine being, uh, was that an away game or at home? Uh, it was away. Yeah, it was away. Oh, that must um, be so painful as uh, an away so, fan. Yeah, so that's pretty not great. Um, don't score many goals. They've only scored 24, which is pretty low compared to most teams, but then defensively reasonably tight, sort of 30 odd goals. So it's um, but then if you look at their squad, you know they've they've got obviously got Mister Maguire who they signed. He's playing as a central striker, which is a bit random. But he's got um, Hakeem Adelukan from Hull that we were all quite interested in. Mm-hmm. Ted, Teddy Bishop who came from Ipswich who scores quite a bit. He's a centre midfielder. Got Jamie Robson, the left back who came from Dundee that I think we were linked with. Yeah. Um, and they've just signed um, this guy called Morgan Whitaker from Swansea, who's sort of winger forward, classic, been through all the England under 16s to under 20s type of player. And then they've got like Liam Bridcut, um, Conor Grandes, Grandes. Um, they lost a few players, but it all reads like a false position to me. And they've obviously got Map, who, yeah, we're all a bit tinted glasses, but, and they were in the playoffs last season. So it's kind of, yeah, it's, it just seems like they're in a complete false position, to repeat myself. Who did they have on loan? It wasn't Lyle Taylor, was it? Who am I? I get mixed up. Who's the guy they had on loan that I wanted? Tyler Walker. Tyler Walker, that was yeah, it, no, from yeah, Forest. Yeah, that was, um, that was a couple of... Was he, oh, playing was, the, was he in the 6-0? Was that, was that game he was playing? Yeah, he was in that game, wasn't he? I swear they had... Um, they definitely had someone up the top end of the pitch last they season. They had um, Morgan Rogers last season on loan from Man City. He's now at Bournemouth this season. Um, the, the, there was a bit in, I think it was their paper this week, that they've asked about the availability of Tyler Walker. Um, he's not playing much for Coventry. He, he did look decent. I mean, it seems like a, an eternity ago. Because I was going like, oh, what was the away result last season? Why didn't we go? And then I remembered that it was the first game of last season. Well, yeah. Where we what lost was the score? 2 0. 2 0. And they just did that complete tactical job on us that we were all sitting there going, if there were fans here, they wouldn't be allowed to play yeah. like that. But they did, and we just ran out of ideas and passed it across our defence and 
you know that, that was it so God. yeah and then obviously you guys will be there and um yeah it's just um i preferred the six nil one that was better <laughs> Do you remember opinion. when we used to do in our previews, like the pubs to visit? Ben, you, I always think of you with that. You always used to have <laughs> oh, a good pub recommendation. Uh, well, Link, Lincoln, far too many. Right. Well, you're just on that little uh, marina bit. What? Yeah, the waterfront, where you might see um, <laughs> a random man chuck a chicken booner curry at a policeman and then run into a cinema. That was a particular highlight last time. <laughs> um, Wasn't the 6 0 a bigger highlight? I mean, yeah, it was. He just—it was a cherry on top of the of the six nil cake that was. I still I mean, have never seen, and don't think I'll ever see a goal that will confuse me as much as Fosu's hat trick goal in that game, which just kind of looked like it was going over the stand and then appeared in the goal, and everyone was just like, I, I don't know, the, the slow motion of Mackie's curling oh, was so kind good. of like—is that really going in? And then James James Henry, James Henry was is, the best. that was the best goal, wasn't yeah. it? Definitely. Just, oof. Just smashed it. Bosh. I love it. Bosh, that's it. Um predictions? What are we saying? You've terrified everyone, John, with your pre match jinx. Yeah. I'm I'm feeling confident. I'm gonna say three one. And the one they get won't it'll be late on and it'll be comfortable. I, I think if like I'm I'm kind of with you. I think if we score first, especially, like we can just get them on low confidence. There's some good names on paper, but they're obviously not getting results, even if they are sort of narrow losses and stuff. So yeah, I think we can we can win. We we'll probably concede, so I'd go for like a two-one maybe. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'm sorry, I'd agree with two-one as well. I think I think they'll try and play a strong tactical game. Not not the same as Cheltenham, but they will try and I think stop us from from free flow football. Um, I think we've just got a, an early goal would be crucial. I think we would. I'd be very disappointed if we we didn't win if we took the lead, especially in the first half. But I think I think we'll have enough. Our game management does seem a little bit better this season, even from winning and losing positions. Um, Jack, what do you reckon? I think it'll be really interesting to see how Lincoln approach it. As John says, I think they are in a little bit of a false position based on paper and squad, etc. But I think they'll play similar to last season and aim to frustrate us. And it wouldn't surprise me to see the likes of Bridcut and Bishop swap around fouls a bit on our midfield, a bit a bit like Wigan mm. did, just pick up yellows kind of um, rotationally. Uh, I always worry when we play Mr. Maguire because he has the ability to do something from nothing. But I, we've got to go, you know, we. this is the kind of game, if we're serious, we should be going and taking three points from. Um, if we do it scrappily, great. If we put a Wimbledon-esque performance in, even better. But I think we'll probably 2-1. Okay. I am scared. I do. I do hope we can kick off on another run. I also hope we can score from more corners. I'm tempted to get the old spreadsheet out because it's getting to a point. I think we had, what, nine in the last game, seven the game before. It's getting to the point where I think we've scored one in about 70 or something like that. I think um, I recall, wasn't it McNally's header against, uh, I forget who it's even against now, at home when he came in. That's the only. I don't think we're we're getting goals from corners again, and it's not every time we win one. I'm just like, maybe do something different. I think this was a subject, wasn't it? I wasn't at the game, so maybe it's been imprinted in my head. Yeah, I was going to say, um, Mark at Oxford Analytics did a did a thread on it that was quite interesting reading, saying that you know if you get a good set piece return, then you don't need another 15 goal season striker because you pick up 15 goals across across the season somewhere else but yeah it would be nice to see it's Elliot Moore's the one isn't it for for his height his his goals or threat oh. from set pieces seem to have dried up didn't he get five last season and then you've got Long and Ruffles you've got what seven eight yeah each? exactly yeah and they weren't from set pieces granted I don't think but uh, yeah the defense is definitely not scoring um as much is a slightly different point to the thing around set pieces but 
final thing then on Lincoln, what do you guys reckon in terms of lineup? So White has kind of come in and out a little bit. Henry's out for a while, isn't he? I think James Henry. He's definitely not. It's it's not sort of out for the season. I think it's like a month, at least like a few weeks. Yeah, three or four weeks, I think. Um, Do we think it'll be Sykes kind of dropping back and White starting up top? As in Sykes playing alongside Kane and Brannigan. I I always like. I don't think it will. I don't think you will play him. But I always like a player like McGwane in these sort of games where you might just have to dribble past a couple to try and make something happen. So, but then I think Williams and White. And I remember we talked about this in the start of the season, thinking actually Holland and White on paper is the sort of the X factor lineup. But actually Williams and White or Williams and Holland is probably a better blend. So I'm more than happy to see that start again. Sykes, you obviously can't drop. And then Kane and Brannigan are equally undroppable. So for me, that's what I think we'll end up with. But I wouldn't... I think if we can't break through, we need to get McGuane on sooner rather than later. So someone who can go, right, I'm just going to try and burst past Alashand and Baptiste when he just went past two and creamed it in to get us yeah. one the seasons ago. I quite um, like having the idea of Sykes and White flanking Taylor in Holland. Where's Holland? Ill, out, injured. It just a little, it was just a strain, like a some sort of hamstring or groin strain or something like that. Or was that white? I'm thinking of. No, I think he's Holland. he's not he's not like terminally out or anything like that. Hmm. Jack Ben, any preference? Um, I think White comes in for McGuane with Sykes playing more centrally, at least to begin with. Um. Williams holds his place on the left. Yeah, I, I, especially for an away game, I'd, I'd keep him in just to see more, more to see what Lincoln's approach is going to be. If they are going to allow it to be more open, then perhaps you pull Williams earlier than he might otherwise do. But um, hopefully, Williams is over his hangover because he's taken a lot of champagne away with his man of the matches yeah. over the last three three games. He came. He did come across really well in interviews when. He only just could come back in the side when I think Nathan was asking him about his role in the team and he was really pragmatic about it all. Part of me was thinking, oh, that's because you've got something lined up in January, so you're going to say lots of nice things. Um, but he, you know, he was talking about just he needs to keep doing that, knocking on the manager's door and then, yeah, good attitude. He, he's clearly keen to avoid the pasting you regularly dish out to him because he's retracted his, or he's said, I'm not going to say something stupid like we're going to get in the playoffs. So, he's like, so he sent a message to you, James, to sort of leave I feel off. like he must have listened to the pod to remind himself about that, because we often talk about it. It's funny that he remembered that, or was, it came up. Brilliant. Um, right, after Lincoln, then we've got Wickham away. I've seen we've sold out the away end for that, as you'd expect, but that, that should be a spicy one where the ball will stay in play for 28 minutes. Um, then we've got Wednesday at home and then Gillingham away, the Steve, Steve Evans special. I saw, Jack, didn't you post something, <laughs> the latest transfer update um, from Steve Evans saying, he even, he managed to like make it all about him, which I found amazing. Rather than talking about the player, it was like, oh, well, well when I had, um, who did he reference? Ivan Tony and whoever else? Yeah, he did his usual thing, didn't he, about how the player couldn't possibly turn down the move after meeting Steve Evans and he's got this yeah, it was Tony, Jack Marriott, and then someone really random that he had about for one month on loan. And it was just yeah. There you go. But that that is a difficult run of games all the same, isn't it? So Wickham... Wednesday Wednesday wobbling a little bit. It's a the sort of more out. They've had thing. some bad, yeah, Shrewsbury. Yeah. They lost to Shrewsbury, didn't they? And then lost, what, 5-0 to Sunderland? That would yeah. be quite a, a so shock think, to the system. I think it's get get something from Wickham and then it's back to, you know, every game should be a win for those two. But Gillingham will be... I don't think Gillingham is as good as a Cheltenham in terms of their ability to stop us, but it's that sort of game, isn't it? It's still interesting with Wednesday, though, because they lost their last um, two... But they still only lost five games, which is the same as us. I think, obviously, they've picked up a lot more draws um, than we have instead of wins. Interesting, though. Um, Wiccan's going to be... I, I just hope that isn't like a 1-0 defeat and we actually really put them to the sword in that game. We'll have to see. 
Anyway, let's focus on uh, Lincoln first, one game at a time. And we've hit the hour mark. Any closing thoughts? Any New Year specials from anyone? No. Good. I'm going to go and have my classic late dinner. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you after Lincoln. Thank you.